Discussing Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Discussing Trek, a Star Trek podcast, an unofficial podcast about the CBS All Access series Star Trek Picard and Star Trek Discovery. Today, we want to talk about episode seven of Star Trek Picard, Nepenthe. Like always, I'm your host, Clarence, and I'm joined by my fellow co-hosts slash Trekkies, starting with none other than the Who story himself, Cal Jones. How you doing, man? I'm glad to be here. There are things that I enjoyed on this episode, and I'm looking forward to talking about them. Awesome sauce. Also on the podcast tonight, we have the Stargate historian, Jeremy Barrow. How you doing, dude? I'm doing, I'm doing well. I'm glad to be here. Um, I have some opinions to air out about this episode, and I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> and also on the podcast, we have the trick story himself, Jonathan Shorts. How you doing, man? Man, I am awesome. I am very, very excited to talk about this episode. Uh, one of my favorites, I think. Uh, so a lot of awesomeness I would like to talk about. Awesome sauce. And I will tell the people that are out there listening, if you want to support the podcast, please head on head on over to discussingtrek.com slash support where you can support us on Patreon or via PayPal. Now, I want to throw it out there. We will be having some contests coming up uh, by following or even contributing on our Patreon. But it's all going to be over there. So uh, stay tuned because we're going to have some pretty good goodies coming up over the next few months through our Patreon account. So um, I want to ask you guys, as I do on each and every show, do you have any news? The only thing that I have, and it's not really news so much, is um, I was reading an article about the lack of use of star dates in uh, Picard. Interesting. And um, it seems the reason they quit using the star dates is because it just made no damn sense. There was no consistency to them so they just decided that that was something they didn't want to have to deal with that they just decided to start using i guess earth dates well mm. well also we don't get the captain's log in picard so far that you normally get in star trek i i'm sure we get it in discovery but i don't remember too many star dates in discovery either so that's what i was about to wonder i don't think we got star dates in discovery if if not if we did we didn't get that many yeah, yeah, interesting. I hadn't noticed <laughs> until you mentioned it. I, I I hadn't noticed either until, you know, it's one of those that you you can't unsee it now that somebody's brought it to my attention. Yeah, interesting, interesting. Yeah, guys, if you're listening to this show, uh, we want you to go out to whatever podcasting platform you're listening to. And please give us a rating and review on said platform. That helps us get discovered. And uh, as always, thank you guys for all your feedback. So if nothing else, we're going to get right into our review of Star Trek Picard, Nepenthe, which originally aired for streaming on March 5th. And it was directed by Douglas Aronofsky, who also directed Star Trek Discovery episodes through the Valley of Shadows, The Sound of Thunder, Lethe, and the short trek, The Brightest Star. Picard and Soji transport to the planet Nepenthe, home to some old and trusted friends. As the rest of the La Serena crew attempts to join them, Picard helps Soji make sense of her recently unlocked memories. Meanwhile, Hugh and Elnor are left on the board cube and must face an angered Nerissa. So we're going to go around the horn real quick and get everybody's high level view of this episode. And we're going to start with Kyle. All right. So there were some parts of this that kind of gave me the feels. I absolutely loved it. There was a couple of parts of it that was kind of meh. And then the rest of it was typical, good sci-fi enjoyment. So 
bottom line, across the board, I enjoyed this episode. Awesome sauce. What about you, Jeremy? Um, I, I did enjoy the episode. I think it was as much as I enjoyed last week's episode or the previous episode, this kind of felt like a, I don't want to say a step back, but it slowed it down again. And that threw me off. But I mean, it was, it was, it was a pretty good episode. <laughs> no, nah, man, I totally get it. Totally get it. So John, man, what do you think about this episode, man? Man, I'm agreeing with Cal. There were a couple of moments that were like hit you in the feels real good. Uh, kind of teared up at one point. Oh man, it's to me like I'm I'm big time because I'm a DS9 fan. I love a good story in the episode, mm-hmm. and we got that here. So I I absolutely enjoyed it. Yeah, and as for me, I'll say the change of pace did kind of hit me at first because you know we've been you know at a very fast clip so far, and this kind of slowed it all back down. Uh very awesome to get into where these characters that we know and love are now which i i really loved all of that and we're going to dive into it but everything is surrounding Riker and troy i thought was pretty fantastic uh it did throw me for a loop seeing these actors back on screen at the, <laughs> the age they are now uh because i'm thinking back to the last movie and they look very different but you know that's kind of what the show is they were looking 20 some odd years after um, the, the last real Trek event. So, so yeah, that's my thoughts. I think I liked it pretty much. You know, I don't know if I loved it, but I do really like the episode. I'm gonna need you guys to get on the same page with me <laughs> at some point. <laughs> I think we've just about disagreed on every episode so far. <laughs> well, it's pretty pr- plenty of nostalgia there for everybody to dive into, man. You know, it just depends on where you sit with the fandom. You know, if you really love uh, the next generation, you know, you're probably going to eat this up just to see those characters on screen. But looking beyond that, I still think there was a lot of details and, and tidbits that we got throughout the episode that were pretty freaking awesome. Yeah, and I agree. And I go back and I think we've said this before. If we all agreed on every single aspect, this would be a very short podcast to review if we agreed on everything. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. Spoilers. Red alert. All hands stand to battle stations. I'll give you the right. You cannot destroy an idea. At ease before you sprain something. We start things off like right off the bat with this flashback of a scene that we only got a part of a few episodes ago. We're back at Daystrom Institute with Dr. Gerardi and Commodore O, the director of Starfleet Security. And first off, I have to ask the Walgreens sunglasses haters, uh, were they any better this time around? <laughs> <laughs> so I've seen a post come by on... Uh, it's one of the groups on Facebook, uh, Love Sci-Fi or something. I'm sorry if I get that name wrong. But it was kind of a meme, and it said the future Teletubby. No, 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 not Teletubby. It was the Keebler Elf. That's what it was. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, the glasses didn't get better, man. They did not get better. But I did have a problem. So in the original scene, when we seen that, didn't uh, Dr. Andrade have AirPods in? <laughs> Did she not have them in this time? Well, she had some kind of other earbuds. No, mm. they probably were the same. I don't think they were AirPods before. Uh, okay. Because yeah. I was looking at it, when I seen the sunglasses, I was like, oh, here's the sunglasses. And then they're <laughs> going to show the AirPods again. But I could be wrong. 
Well, I mean, I think this is the point where poor Agnes um, lost all her innocence, so to speak. So let's just dive right into it. This freaking mind mill. What the what? <laughs> uh, <laughs> the, the, the vision looks, seems like it starts with Commodore O in it. Then there seems to be some kind of cult gathering. Then a city is destroyed. Then, you know, the members of the cult get killed. And then the whole planet is destroyed. What is going on? So what if this is a less of a mind meld and more of a mind programming? So I would think. So here's what I think I know. (laughs) Um, So and correct me if I'm wrong, but anytime we've experienced a mind meld or seen a mind meld done, it's transferring thought and consciousness in the present and the past from one per- one person to another, from a Vulcan to another person, this seemed to be visions of the future. And as far as we know, Vulcans do not see the future. Now, I'm, I kind of, so if I had any way to explain it, maybe along the lines of what Kyle said, it was more of a programming. But I mean, imagine the mental prowess that Commodore O would have that she could mind mail a false vision into someone. Now, I want to say that at, in one episode of Voyager, Tuvok had mentioned that at one point there are Vulcans who can see the future, who can, who do have that gift. And he mentioned that early on to Kess, like in the one that when she started developing her powers, hmm. which is why he was able to kind of help guide her into reining hers in. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I do remember that episode. So help me out here. Where, what part of that was futuristic? I'm not saying it wasn't futuristic, I'm just, but help me there. I'm curious there. Well, it's, uh, I, it seems like it's a vision of, of something to come, you know. Gotcha. Um, not necessarily it's, it's that any. future. Yeah, yeah. Not necessarily any part of it itself seemed futuristic, uh, but it seemed like a, I don't know, maybe it is something that happened in the past, but it seemingly, to me, feels like a, a vision of something that's to come. So I could be wrong here now that I'm thinking about it. But like my original thought was this: these were visions of Earth. So like the city being destroyed and, you know, to kind of do a quick pan out to like a planet that looked similar to Earth. Mm-hmm. Now, the only thing now that I think about it, it could have been was a past vision of maybe what happened on Romulus, which is why they hate Sith so bad. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was a vision of the future at all. She seems like that lady seems like she's like special ops or something. So I was just thinking my train of thought went to where like maybe she's seen things that other people haven't seen. Um, But I mean, you have to imagine like there had to have been something pretty significant for a Starfleet officer to turn on Starfleet. Yeah. At least that's where my mind was going with it. So I feel like she had a good reason, at least in her head for turning. Absolutely. And yeah, uh, let's carry the tech story and back to the podcast, man. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome, dude. So, so I will follow what you guys said with some feedback we got from our friend from Canada, Eric Hetherington. One potential huge tie in to discovery was teased in this episode. I think when coming to old Walgreens sunglasses had the mind mill with Girardi, on the surface, we were meant to think that it was O's way of communicating to Gerardi that AI is bad and the fate of the galaxy lies in the balance. It also gives us some insight into why Gerardi felt she had to portray and murder Maddox. However, 
This mind meld also showed imagery that reminds me of Ethan Peck's vision of Spock having a mind meld with a red angel back in, what, 2257? Is the current AI situation that has the Romulan Zot Vash and certain rogue elements of the Federation so freaked out somehow related to control? I mean, Discovery did take what was left of control into the future. Man, my brain hurts. Seriously, though, <laughs> the mind mail in season two of Discovery was pivotal to the plot. And certainly the old Gerardi mind mail seems to be equally important in Picard. Coincidence? <laughs> what do you guys think of Eric's feedback there? I, kind of, I, th- I think I kind of understand what you're saying. Um, I don't I don't I don't know if it's a if it's necessarily a tie in. It may be just be like a parallel. It is all the same universe, so I mean, it it can tie in. It's totally plausible. Yeah, I agree with Carrie. Yeah, same universe. You have the 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 sense in one instance, in Discovery, you have the the AI control actually being part of what's going to be the uh, potential future threat. I mean, who's to say that it control? You know, an AI, the the Zotfash hate uh, sense and AI, it could be interwoven in some way. Now, I will admit the vision that O had wasn't as um, elaborate as what we got in Discovery, but I still think it could tie in in some way. Um, You know, the whole point that both of the last seasons were all predicated on this vision of the future that totally changed how the Federation was acting. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I think it's interesting. And and when you think of the greater um, Star Trek cinematic universe or small screen universe. Um, I do see them tying their shows in more together. So it would be kind of awesome if we had an overall tie in to discovery, but I'm not so sure, but if they do, I'm, I'm down for it. Well, you know, you got to factor into and remember, even though that series three of discovery will be set in the future, the past is where series one and series two lived. And yes, I know we got at the very end where, Con, you know, we're basically locking the doors on any knowledge of discovery going forward. But somebody in Starfleet knows something and knows how to get into these databases and whatever. So there are people in uh, Starfleet that knows about what happened. So I go back to what Carrie says. I think it's completely plausible for those two to be connected. Couldn't Soji find them? She hacks in all kinds of stuff, doesn't she? <laughs> yeah, she does. But I also read something that said that Picard knows about the events of Discovery Season 2 because he did mind mill with Sarek, and he's also mind milled with Spock. So oh. he could know about the whole uh, control thing. Mm. Wow. No, dude. Well, yeah. <laughs> Also, we had before we move on, we had the taking of the blue triangle, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, <laughs> I, that, that was something new that I've never the seen. other little pill, <laughs> the other blue pill. <laughs> yeah, so I had, like how she's like she handed it to her and said, "Take this," and she immediately put it in her mouth. Like I'd have been like, "Take it," like I'd have put it in my pocket. Right, mind control. <laughs> When the head of Starfleet yeah. Security tells you to take something, you just take it. You don't yeah, but it. I go back to saying about the programming. If the if my programming uh, idea holds up, and and that's what that was, then it makes perfect sense for her to follow up and say, "Take the pill," because you just programmed her to be submissive to you. So you you would think that for in the future, you would they would be able to 
to have something more easily digestible than just like a jagged edge bottle cap. Yeah, where's a hypo spray? You know, you know, yeah. Anyway, they have, they have nanobots. They can they can do something. Yeah, that was a little weird. So <laughs> let's let's uh, we'll leave that track for a second. Let's go ahead and talk about the artifact, and let's talk about the La, La Serena and the whole uh, Rios Rafi arc. So I'll just start off by saying, oldest trick in the book. Was anyone surprised about how they were being followed, even though we didn't get the explanation about the blue pill? I figured she was a plant from the way they cut away from her talking to the security officer, like way back when. Yeah. Like, I assumed she was a plant the whole time. <laughs> yeah. They left nothing up to the imagination. There. <laughs> well, Commodore O did say this will be a way, means of tracking you. Oh, did she? Oh, okay. Makes yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah. She did say that. Yeah. But- but I never understood how he was able to track her. I know they were able to track her, but how did he know to track her? Well, O was working with Marissa. Oh, forgot about that. Yes, 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 yes. Okay, now that makes sense. Yeah, but I, I like, I'm kind of with you. Like, I, how did they not figure someone would be following them? Yeah, it was a little too easy. He just let us go. Okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, but they did hesitate, kind of like, hey, that was too easy. And I guess, I guess Rios did, you know, he did say, well, they got to catch me first, but I don't know how he expected to, I mean, you're leaving a Borg artifact. I'm pretty sure they have something that can keep up with you. Yeah. I mean, and even more, I mean, you know, what about Elnor? Like you took a whole episode to go get this cat and then you just go <laughs> leave him on the cube and run off. <laughs> uh, I don't know so if I understand I'm the logic there. <clears throat> I'm having a problem with this Game of Thrones type <laughs> way we're going here. Like, I get it, and I enjoyed it in Game of Thrones, but it's not cool in Star Trek, man. You can't just keep killing my people off. <laughs> it's not cool. Like, I half expected them to kill Elnor. Yeah, well, well you know. Uh, and we just don't know yet. Just be patient. Just like the whole setting him up, I don't think they would just kill him like that. Let's mm-hmm. hope not. They spent two episodes setting up you. Yeah. <laughs> did they set him up though? He was just on the ship. Yeah, but I mean, I guess, I guess if you, I mean, a fan, it was a setup. Yeah. Like if you didn't know about Hugh, then probably not. He was just on the ship. But like to some, to a Trekkie, a hardcore Trekkie, like I mean, you introduce you, but he just he didn't seem that important to me. He was just ripping robotic parts off board. Like he he wasn't really <laughs> anything to the story. He was he was the XB leader. He's the 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 last hope for the XB. Like if there was somebody they could have killed that was an old Star Trek character, he was like top of the list. Well, apparently, apparently all the old Star Trek characters are getting killed off. You know, well, I guess you could call Maddox a character. He was on one episode too. So, um. But 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 you know, let's just talk about Hugh's track real quick. So you have Narissa killing off the XBs, uh, you know, until Hugh gives her the whereabouts of Picard. Did anybody think that he'd be able to successfully get back to this queen cell and take the artifact, as he said, and then fight for his people? I I I didn't. I didn't buy that. Yeah, as much as I wanted to see him do that, I just. Didn't see that happening. Uh, well, with- you had to have some character. I mean, to me, he was a plot device on this episode. Uh, I mean, forget the nostalgia aspect of him. He was a plot device to give Elnor something to do 
for staying behind. And his absence provided Elnor with a task to accomplish by staying behind. I fully agree with that. I, I, I couldn't have said that better myself, actually. Thank you, sir. Some reason why Eleanor d- doesn't need to be with Picard. And like, that's all I got from that is they wanted to separate them because he could have easily walked through that portal with them. Like, yeah. ease. That's true. That's true. Yeah. So, and uh, I agree with you, Gary. That was kind of a problem I had with that last episode. Like, what was the point? Like, even, well, I know, I understand why he would have had to stay. But I mean, they could have just closed the queen cell and he walked through and then Hugh could have come back out like I was looking for him and I couldn't find him. <laughs> so I do agree like that. I think that is part of the grand scheme to separate them. But and it could have been done better. But also what could have been done better was like Hugh's plan to like take the artifact. Like I thought that was a great plan. I thought that was a great idea, but I thought he had a better plan. Like let's activate the rest of the XBs or you know what I mean? Let's formulate formulate a plot to like get this done. He was just gonna, I guess, go <laughs> transport him off or something. I don't. He had no yeah. plan. Yeah. And well, the plan was to get to the queen cell first of all, so he can have control of the artifact and then go from there. But yeah, it seemed like it should have been thought out just a little bit more instead of just marching right there, knowing that Narissa is probably looking at everything he's doing. Well, I mean, so, even she says you you had to think we were watching you. Yeah. <laughs> like that. Bad planning, bad planning. And that's why he died. Like, <laughs> <laughs> All right. What do you guys think of Narissa? Do you guys see her as a good villain or is she kind of one dimensional? Very one dimensional. Yeah. Very much so. She's not compelling in any way. Well, I would consider Narek to be the better villain. Yeah, I agree. Villains, but I think the ultimate villain is Zot Vosh. We just don't have a person to put that yeah. on. You know, it's just the entire setup. But yeah, I, she, like, we could do without Narissa. Yeah, I think agree. She, I kind of look at her as just like a hired hitman. Yeah. Yeah. But I will say Narek is really impressing me, man, from, from the last episode uh, to this one. Uh, I think he's really jumped from probably one of the, my least favorite characters on this series to up there at the top, just because how cunning he is and calculated, maybe is the word I'm looking for. But, but, but you know what's interesting about what you just said? I think his ascension to being more relatable to the audience makes what I ask as a question all that much more glaring because she's supposed to be in control and he, in turn, is a much better portrayer of of the character than the way she's being t- portrayed. I'm not saying it's the actor that she's doing a bad job, but the way they're portraying her is so much less than the way they're portraying him. I don't know. I have to disagree with you guys about Eric. He doesn't. It seemed like he his character was growing, and then the last episode he just chunked it all down the toilet. And yeah, I don't think he's that interesting of a character, honestly. So, Carrie, oh. were you a fan of the Dodge Neric relationship? No, <laughs> not at all. I, I I just don't. I didn't see I just, like he. I'm I'm kind of with Clarence. Like I really didn't like him to start with, but he's kind of growing on me now. What What made you like him to start with? Well, he just seemed like he was the mysterious. You know, like the he seemed like he was going to be the main villain. I don't really think he is now. I think at some point he's going to find her again, and they're gonna turn he's gonna turn and probably end up dying or something he's basically what is his name 
Takuma in this. <laughs> no, <laughs> not Takuma. Fuck, fuck. He's Vak in this. So. No, I don't know. I I think he's he's growing as a character again. Like from the Impossible Box to this episode, he went from being like the snivelly younger brother, uh, subject to what his sister Narissa said, to going into being a very calculated, you know, person willing to fool around with this box to. To to get it to wait, I'm talking about the I'm talking about <laughs> You guys are yeah, so bad. Words. You guys are so bad. Yeah, his his toy box <laughs> Tajan Dixon, <laughs> Dixon heel. Oh, but 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 let's 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 talk about uh Narissa and Elnor and the Hugh for a bit. Just let's finish off this arc. The fight, John. I know you're really into these fights that we see on Discovery and Picard. Do you think this fight was good? I don't have enough information to form an opinion. It could have been, but they didn't play it out long enough, in my opinion. Now, I, I did not like the sequence of um, Elnor like killing all the other Vulcans. Like it, it was a lot of cutscenes. Jumping around with Yoda. Yeah, pretty much. That, <laughs> that, that was not cool. Unless you put Samuel Jackson in it, I just didn't enjoy it. But uh, like the fight between Elnor and Narissa, like I, I, I had high expectations for that. I really did. I half expected her to like when she said, "Well, I'm gonna show you how the Vash fight." Like I thought she was gonna like pull out her weapon again and just shoot him. But <laughs> <laughs> but then you know I seen she was actually going to fight, and I was like, "Man, this is gonna be pretty good." And then it stopped. So, yeah, yeah. It, <laughs> yeah, it it kind of makes me wonder how good he can actually fight. Because remember in the last episode, we got to cut the black, choose to live. And right. uh, I don't know if he can actually fight in real life. That's my worry. Yeah, <laughs> we, we don't know that. And I'm hoping they build that up because, like I said, he was becoming one of my favorite characters here. But just be, because of his supposed fighting prowess, but... If we yeah, don't I, feel see like that. They, I feel like they wired him down to like make this battle that didn't even have to happen. Yeah, I, like, I agree. He, yeah, they made him. I feel like based on previous information, he should have just like wiped the floor with her. Yeah, I mean, it shouldn't even been close. So I feel like they just needed to make some dramatic um, drama. So they made it an even fight. Mm, interesting. It would have been even better if he had done some kind of amazing save a few there yeah that that would have been I mean, even better i mean for elnor to be a believable <laughs> at this point he needs a major win like a big like yeah. a big grotesque yeah. win and he just didn't get that in this one and then they you know at the end of that sequence where he just, just kind of like curls up like a baby and like just quits like i i, I expected more i thought he was just like gonna find fight his way to the just, queen just, chamber and and just, just happens to see the just happens to see the fin Fenris Ranger communicator, which I don't even know how he got. Yeah, that was like weird, what? Yeah. How did? Where did he that got, come from? I mean, another got, thing we have to remember though is that he's just a kid. Like he doesn't have any kind of world knowledge. So I mean, yeah, maybe we're expecting too much from him. But he spent his whole life fighting. Like that's what he knows. But if you think about that fight though, she basically won that fight with her head. Like the whole let's fight honorably thing. Of course he's going to do that because that's how he was raised. But she just played him like, yeah, it was due to his lack of fighting. experience. He might be able to fight, but having being able to fight, but he's not and, like having actual battle experience are not the same thing. Yeah. yeah. Jeremy, did you have a comment? 
I was just saying this. He's been training his whole life for something like this, and then we get the flat balloon. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, I, and I really care. You know, he's you know, there's a difference between you know technique and experience. And his technique might be fine, but his experience is not there. And she won with experience. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just uh. think about it. Think about it this way. Think he's been. He's been um, using a NASCAR video game simulator his whole life, and then he gets thrust into the Indy 500. Like, not the same thing. Like, he might he might have the physical skills to win, but he, he doesn't have the fight fighting experience. All right. Well, I want to take it back a little bit. Uh, I think we've covered that arc thoroughly. Uh, let's take it back a little bit, and I want to talk about a little bit about Auntie Raffi. So, I mean, we talked about it last week that she, that she was able to read people like a book. And she certainly did that in this case with Agnes. And, you know, I want what I really want to ask here is, was it wrong for Rios to question Rafi in this moment? Because we know he just had this intimate moment with her last week where he was taking care of her. And, you know, we're talking about family. But now he's going to question her. I, I was a little mad about that, actually. I was too. I totally was. It it either felt like bad writing or if I wanted to try to explain it away, I wondered if that was trying to, if I look like I'm looking at you, maybe that will mask that I'm really looking at somebody else. Mm. See, I that's where like I was trying it. to get a read on her. Like, I didn't think he actually, I feel like he trusts Raffi more than anybody on the whole ship. He, you know, like, it felt like he was just trying to get a read on her and where her mental state was. I agree with you, Carrie. Like I, I took that moment as like, he's saying that to maybe get her to open up or get her to make a mistake or say something. But I had no reason to believe that he would ever doubt Raffi. But then he gets on the bridge and says the same thing to Raffi though. Cause, cause he's in the, he's in the down there with uh Gerardi and he like brings it up. Well, maybe it's Raffi. But when he gets back to the bridge with Raffi, he like, questions her and she mentions you're not gonna throw me out of airlock are you (laughs) (laughs) so i don't know i don't know Uh, that's a good point i forgot about that i just give him more credit i hope he i hope he's not (laughs) but maybe maybe he just will you know maybe i think i'm I'm also thinking the whole time he's like i'm the greatest star pilot in the galaxy nobody could possibly follow me they like i have to they have to be tracking us you know Oh, they found us again. Part of it just is arrogance, I think. Yeah. All right. Well, belong to what I think is the main arc that we haven't even touched on at all, and that's Nepenthe. So uh, I looked up what Nepenthe actually means, other than being this planet on this episode. Nepenthe is a dr- was a drug described in Homer's Odyssey as banishing grief or trouble from a person's mind. So we see Picard and Soji reach Nepente and they're met with a bit of trouble by a girl in the woods. Any thoughts on seeing who who we come to know as Riker's daughter, Kestra, coming out of nowhere to capture Picard and Soji? Okay, this is the remember I said at the beginning that there were some things that gave me the field, some of it that gave me, uh, you know, traditional sci fi. And then there was some things that kind of, you know, yeah. Okay, this was the yeah. Because she irritated the heck out of me. Oh, I love her. You. I love Thank her. You. you, you're not human, sir. Okay, <laughs> I'm not human, but I say she freaking irritated me. And it may have been the actor, but 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 there was something about that character that just like 
was oh. nails on a chalkboard to me. You hate kids, don't you? <laughs> Maybe so, but still. Twelve-year-olds are just annoying. So I don't. Know. <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> you guys are brutal. I'm just saying, like she played the character well. She's the only child. She gets to run around in the forest dressed like the Horizon Zero Dawn chick, and like, like she's totally spoiled. Like it made sense to me. Like I just kind of tuned her out. She didn't really bother me. Yeah, well, I, I mean, yeah, she irritated me at first, but yeah, I kind of go with you, Carrie. I did kind of t- tune her out toward the end because I felt like she was there to make a, she was too cookie cutter in her um, purpose because it was to make um, Soji feel, you know, accepted and, you know, let her guard down. And it just went too perfectly. And that was, I think, what kind of irritated me about her other than, the whole I'm coming up with my own different dialect. She, she didn't that. do that. Her brother did. She just uh, copped it from him. Okay. Well, she needs to be original. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Lulu Wilson. You were great. Don't listen to these guys. Jesus. So I, I agree with you, Clarence. I really love this character. Uh, I, especially when I found out it was uh, Riker and Troy's daughter. But I also love the fact that she was still using these made up languages that her brother her brother came up with like to me that was awesome like the little scene with her and the compass i i enjoyed that uh the interaction between her and soji when she was soji actually have you lied to me yeah and then she's kind of like yeah basically like that that whole interaction there i really love that yeah so i i did love this character i think it was perfectly placed any thoughts jeremy i'm gonna have to kind of go kyle on this one because she for one, I didn't realize that was a girl till like halfway through. Oh, okay. thank you. Come on. <laughs> so, thank you. Come on, guys. <laughs> and I, I and I don't think it was the the actress so much as it was just the character. Just it felt she felt forced on me. I don't. Yeah. She played her character well. I feel like it was she was supposed to be annoying. Like that's that's what and, she was and supposed. If that to was be. her goal. She did a great job. I don't. I got no annoyance out of that. Me neither. I, me neither. So uh, so. Okay. 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 Well, let me go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, having raised my own children, <laughs> children are annoying, <laughs> children especially are cool. at that age, because there's just nothing. You haven't met my children. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> most of y'all haven't met my children. It, after meeting my children, you should agree with me on this one. <laughs> I well, plead the fifth. <laughs> So yeah, I mean, it's I I just didn't they they could have accomplished the same thing without adding us this small child, in my opinion. Yeah, uh, well, you needed that connection to Troy and Riker, and I think she was the catalyst for that. And knowing what happened to their son, but real quick on that intro, I want to mention that it was almost a mirror of the episode Home when Picard comes visit the chateau and Renee jumps out of the bushes to hold Picard up as a highwayman. So this is pretty much a exact mirror of that episode. And likewise, he was coming from the board cube, having been recently assimilated. So I love the the analog there to what what we've seen in the past. He mentions his 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 heart of solid the the or whatever he called it, some some metal. <laughs> Adamantium. Anthemium. Yeah, we'll go with that. We'll go with that. So I mean I I really loved all that. You know, I, I don't know. I guess I'm just a sucker. <laughs> I enjoyed the visit 
to the planet and i really enjoyed like Riker. like i really enjoyed him well let's let's get into that what do we think about jonathan frake's performance after seeing him all this time and even you know how Riker is at this state in in time 20 years later i absolutely loved it like yeah, this was, was a, <laughs> this was another moment where i just this is like the moment when they when they kind of all greeted in front of the house like I kind of teared up a little bit just out of happiness. Like, <laughs> oh. man, this is awesome. I <laughs> love that. And Riker, man, I like him more in his old age than I liked him in TNG. Oh, I agree with you a million percent. A million. He's like percent. the most interesting man in Star Trek, basically. <laughs> 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 he just needed a dose of <laughs> Cook on my grill. <laughs> yes, some bunny corn pizza. You know. Oh, Lord. Yeah, but he's playing a bit of Crazy Man Riker, I thought. But I liked it. I really liked it. Where do you get the Crazy Man Riker? <laughs> Maybe not crazy, but it felt like he was wild and unhinged in a, in a sense. I don't know why I get that. I just kind of felt like he's let all that Starfleet crap go. And I'm just going to live See, that's it. You saw Will <laughs> Riker. You did not see number one. Exactly. That's who the he, reason- you know, he was Will. He was not number one in this. The reason I liked him so much in this is because he's the first character on this whole show who called Picard out on his crap, but he did it from a place of love. He didn't do it because he hated him. He did it because he loved him and he wanted to help him. And I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. And he's always been that person. Even through TNG, there was never anybody who really could, I wouldn't say control, but could really like handle Picard other than Riker. And like off this first scene, like you can you can kind of see it like I, you know, I agree with you. We got to see Riker and not number one. But like in that moment, which I know I'm probably jumping ahead here when he, you know, which another part I love when he has shields on the house. Like, oh, that was so yes, that was that was, fun. <laughs> that was awesome. Yes. Like, I'm going to do that to my man. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Alexa's got nothing on that. I mean, Alexa, you got so many such a long way to go. <laughs> But what what it also brought me back to was number one. So like if you go back and you look watch episodes of TNG, like Riker in his first officer role, like he was always able to read Picard before Picard said anything and get it done. Yeah. And that's what you see in there. Like when Picard like started telling him uh, briefly about the situation, he immediately shields up. You know, activate the cloaking device detector. Like he, he jumped into that role like immediately without question, without knowledge of what's going on. Like he just knew what to do. And that was classic number one, man. I love that. Yeah. Figured out about the Romulans, extend cloaking sensors or something. Yeah. Right. All that junk was, was freaking awesome. The thing I liked the most was that like Picard's like, oh, I shouldn't have come here. And he's like, nah, we I. Right. <laughs> Don't worry about us. <laughs> Probably has a phaser bank on the roof. <laughs> Torpedo launcher coming out the ground. And I think part actually felt safe there, which was really cool as well. Yeah. To be in the woods, that's probably one of the places most people will feel least safe at, you know. But, you know, with all the technical technological advances, the woods too can be a safe place. <laughs> I don't think he felt more safe just because it was Riker. Yeah, like he could have been Bush. in the middle of the board cube if Riker would have been there. He'd have his safety. He would have felt more comfortable. I'd say. Yeah, I agree with that. So, so before we move on, tell me what you guys think about this because I found this interesting because I 
thought I saw this whenever I watched it the first time, and I just watched it again while you guys were talking. On the opening credits, we see special guest star Jonathan Frakes, but they don't show um, Maria Sirtis's name. And I, I find that interesting, I guess, because of who he is. He got bigger billing than she did. But, you know, he was listed as a special guest star in the opening credits, just like Jerry Ryan was listed a couple of weeks ago. But she wasn't. And I, I, I kind of don't like that. Well, it may be that we're going to see him again. Maybe. Maybe. But who knows? Well, usually they thought... say special guest stars for someone that you may not see again. All right. Well, let me make sure they said special guest star. But um, I just thought that omitting her name, I didn't like that is my is my bottom line. Yeah, I well, agree with you. And I didn't notice that, but I agree. Yeah, but I guess as as the casual Star Wars fan here, I, I mean Star Trek fan, I have to speak How up. How dare because, you? <laughs> because, sorry. When <laughs> I saw Jonathan Frakes, I knew immediately who that was. Yeah. If they would have put her name on there, I wouldn't have known who she was. <laughs> I'm just being honest with you. I wouldn't have known her from Adam. So I think yeah. it's I think he's more A-list than she is. So let's pivot into talking about uh, Miss uh, Deanna Troy. So Marina Sortis, let's talk about her performance in this episode and thoughts on that. Because personally, from my opinion, I think she had one of the best performances in the episode. So thank you. So let's hear what you guys think. Hands down, loved it. She was the star of the episode to me, uh, along with Will Riker. I mean, the two of them played off of each other well. That was, I'm going to go with Jonathan with what he said, that that scene where you see the three of them together kind of gave you the goosebumps, kind of gave you the chills, kind of, you know, water dries a little bit. So hands down, I thought she she stepped back into the character. She did all the right things. She progressed the story. I loved it. Yeah, I agree, Kyle. I, I, I absolutely love, love her character. I love the interaction with her and Will and like that whole like she had purpose here. And that's yes. that's my problem on TNG. Not that she was worthless, but like her purpose, <laughs> she never really served an important purpose. But yeah, I like it, she had a grounding in this episode. Like she kind of grounded the episode. I don't, yeah. I don't know if you can understand what I mean by that, but it like when things are going well or there's different thoughts and different, like she was the kind of glue or the connection between everybody. So yeah, absolutely loved her here. Yeah. For me, like I have to point out that one of the scenes from her in the uh, one in particular is one of my favorite scenes that I've seen from her in anything. Some of the best acting I've seen from her in anything. And that's when she's talking about that. Uh, her son and I, I thought she just was off the charts in her performance there the way she was able to uh, display that emotion as she was talking to 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 Picard there so yeah that's one of my favorite scenes from her period so I you know I thought she was fantastic in this episode yeah and I think she was great too but this just illustrated me another uh, another thing that another reason why I'm just I just I hate to even bring this up but like the reason I just am just I hate the sequel trilogy now of Star Wars because this world, this Picard world, it feels lived in. Like you feel like the characters like actually did stuff, whereas the Star Wars is just like, oh, we're back. 
you know, <laughs> Chewie, it's good to be home. Like it, it did feel like that, that world didn't feel lived in. And you can tell that these people have aged in their, you know, th- not just physically, they've aged mentally in their acting, like actually portrays that, especially Jerry Ryan, like all of them, though. Like, that's one of the things I really like about the show. Just thought I'd bring it up. Yeah, they, they do something so great by giving us these flashbacks to fill in the gap. You know, yeah. that's not that's not something that Star Wars really does. But, you know, by by in that could probably aid to why we feel those, you know, characters that they brought back were so felt so weird being in the trilogy series. I mean, the sequel, tr- sequel trilogy series. But here I really love how they're diving into these characters that we know, giving us backstory. We know why they're on the Pente because it has regenerative power in the soil, so they say. And and all this stuff, they didn't have to do all this stuff with uh the with Thad and um and Kestra with the books and the language and the girl in the woods, but they went out of their way to make this backstory and make it feel real and make it li- feel lived in. So all of that was just great. To they me. built the world. They built the world. Yeah, awesome. So um, one more thing I want to talk about real quick is like Kestra, the girl that y'all hate, and. <laughs> <laughs> and the yes. line of questioning she gave Soji on Data. Now, I don't find it that weird that she's a huge Data fan because, you know, look who her father is. But, man, she, like, really lays it on thick. <laughs> and Data played the violin. He liked Sherlock Holmes. He could do this, could do that. And then she started asking her questions about how how android are you? Do you have mucus? Can you kiss? You know? <laughs> and I love how they tied it in by saying that Data always was trying to become more human have All dreams right. tell jokes dancing but you look here later and you know she is the personification of that basically she she didn't know she was an android so i just really love that in this episode yeah and i think that kind of added to the storyline so if, if you know we're we're to assume that there's a possibility that this Android was based off of data's positronic net, data's positronic net. Like that kind of added proof of that. You know what I mean? Like it made yeah. that connection for us. Where, you know, here going up to this point, like I really didn't have a connection there other than that's what we're supposed to believe and it's possible. Yeah. But after witnessing and after watching this episode and watching Kestra or listening to her talk about data and how it relates to Soji, like that kind of made it hit home for me. Like I am pretty 98% sure that's where she's from. Yeah. Now I will say there are two things that they did in this episode that felt like way too much fan service. Again, if you want to talk about Star Wars, <laughs> they did. So, so first off with the whole Thad disease, the, the madroxic neurosis or whatever it's called, um, they tied that into sense not being around, and I hated that. I think it was too much on the nose to say the the lack of a cure for this disease was a di- direct result of of the ban on sense. No positronic matrices to to uh, build this cure, so they could save them. So I didn't like that. I felt those two on the nose. I'm like, really, you, you have to make it all about the sense that your son is dead. Yeah, I didn't like that. Well, if there were, I'll agree with you if it's not a setup for the next episodes. So I I think we needed needed something to bond Troy and Riker to this mission. 
And I don't see another way of doing that. Like, as you guys said, it seems like Riker has just pretty much thrown Starfleet out the window, even though he says he's still on active reserve. But like, what will motivate him to join another mission with Picard? And what better motivation than, you know, hey, I want, I wouldn't say revenge, but justice or closure because my son wasn't saved because of this issue. You want to talk about on the nose? If they actually bring him back to be on his crew, that's like way too on the nose. I like him more as the the um, plucky old, you know, <laughs> guy who's just just living his life now. I, I hope they don't bring him back. Well, maybe not like just a full fledged crew member, but like I I want to see him involved in this a little more. Now it may not be like, hey, I'm gonna sit beside Picard and be number one again, but like he's gonna help him. It's some pivotal moment that Picard needs somebody and Riker is going to be there for some yeah, I, reason. I think I fall somewhere in between the two of what you you two just said. I wouldn't mind having a moment. Maybe it's the moment or the event that brings, if they decide to bring data back, that's he participates or is present or in the aftermath or something of that, then I think I'd be okay with that. But other than that, I wouldn't, you've established this other crew. Let's be with this other crew. I don't want to see him on the bridge. Yeah, no, not on the bridge. My my concern is that they're going to bring him back for the final battle and just have him, you know, teleport out of nowhere to join in. <laughs> That'd be funny. I'd be okay. okay with that. If he's just on there for like the I, final I, hurrah. I I, I I I tend to agree. I think I think he needs to stay the crazy uncle we go to for advice. And, <laughs> you know, just right. Just go. Just go make. Go get some pizza. Ask him for his advice for something, and then go do what you got to do. Um, I don't know. I'm 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 all for it. And maybe and maybe it is just fan service. But being a huge Trek fan, I am okay <laughs> with it. Like even if they would stick him on the bridge, I would be okay with it. Just from seeing that, you know, like I just that would that would make this show all. And I know it's fan service. I understand that, but man, I would still love it. I would still love it even more, probably. It's like seeing eighty-year-old Luke Skywalker fight. You think it's a good idea, but then you think about it, and it's like, no, not a good idea. Mm. See, I was disappointed in that because I wanted to see him fight a lot more. I don't know, dude. When he said Ray Shields, I was like, oh, he's back. Yes. <laughs> like I, I you have I think you have to have, have a decent amount of fan service in this. Yeah, because do. we don't we don't get a lot of that from any well or from Discovery. I'm sorry. I was about to say Voyager because I've been watching Voyager. There was a whole <laughs> season of fan service. Pike. <laughs> what are you talking about? Well, okay, but yeah, fan service for the people that grew up watching the original series. But coming from my point of view, my my start of Trek was TNG. Like, that was my first experience of Trek. And that was, like, growing up, that's what I watched. I never watched the original series. So, yes, if you're an original series fan, then Discovery gave you a lot of fan service. But outside of that, it didn't. But here, Picard, like, people in the 30-somethings that grew up watching TNG, that, to me, that's the fan service we've been looking for. Just wait for Whoopi. (laughs) <laughs> that'll be awesome as well <laughs> yeah and I, i'm gonna mention one more bit of fan service we wrap things up here the whole data neck twitch i felt like it was too much i really did feel like it was too much man it, it was i don't know i, I just like really i didn't really? notice that until he said it, honestly 
Yeah, well, I'm, I'm going to go with Carrie. Thing. I didn't notice it until he said it. She did it in a couple episodes back, and I noticed. I'm, did she? Okay. Yeah. Uh, and, and and it was never pointed out. Well, if that's the case, the if that's the case, I take back my words. I take back all my words if she did it a couple <laughs> episodes ago. Okay. All right. All right, guys. Well, I think we are ready to wrap this episode up unless anybody else has any more final thoughts on the episode. Um, I am looking forward to the reintroduction of seven in next week's episode. Yeah. That fan service works wonderfully for me. <laughs> oh, you Voyager fan. Seven <laughs> herself is fan service. Like even in the original <laughs> show, she was fan service. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that was a different sort of fan service, but it, this is. And I'm not bad about it one bit. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm hoping we get to see more of the Fenris Rangers. Cause I would like to, to know more about them and what she's doing with them. Go, go, Furious Ranger. Yeah, that's a spinoff <laughs> series. It's coming up soon. You'll hear about it. I'll take it. We are ready to wrap things up. So we're going to go around a horn and get everybody's what you've been working on, your pardon gifts, what you're into, what you're listening to or watching. And since Carrie hasn't been on in so long, we're going to start with him. What is your pardon gift, sir? I mean, the only thing I've done recently is I covered um, Louis Armstrong's What a Wonderful World, but I like did it in a completely different style. It's on my SoundCloud. If you want to check that out, that's about all I've done. All right. SoundCloud.com slash Carrie Brown. That's about it. Awesome sauce. Awesome sauce. So, Jeremy, what have you been up to? Podcast later otherwise, man. The only thing I've kind of been up to is I'm I'm kind of torn. There's a new book that just came out recently called The Andromeda Syndrome, which is a sequel to um, The Andromeda Strain, which was written by Michael Crichton, who died like 10 years ago. This new book is being sold as being written by Michael Crichton and somebody else. Mm. And I'm just <sighs> I love Michael Crichton, but the last book that was written by him after he died and somebody else. You could tell was it written by him, so I'm 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 torn on whether or not to to get this book or not. So are these cases where he had like half the book finished and somebody else just wrapped it up for him? Well, the first one Micro did like he was he was working on it when he died, and you can almost tell at the point in the book when the the new person <laughs> took over. Ooh, that's not good. But this one is it, somebody has taken it, it's a sequel to the novel he had written like forty years ago. Interesting. But it's being presented as being written by Michael Crichton, and I can't remember what his name is. So it's like those half-finished Michael Jackson albums that they've been putting out? <laughs> yeah. With Justin Timberlake and uh, all the Acon. other <laughs> <laughs> Really? <laughs> oh, Lord. Hey, well, John, what have you been working on, podcast or otherwise, man? Um, as we mentioned last episode, we're working on my ready room recording studio out back where we are currently recording from in an unfinished uh, building. Yeah. First broadcast. Um, <laughs> yeah. Awesome. We're going to, have to commemorate that somebody. Uh, so I've been scouring <laughs> the webs trying to find my decor here. So what I've also what I've ordered now is a. USS Enterprise dedication plaque that I oh. will post here on our backdrop in case we do any videos. Uh, we got me a Federation flag. So, like, if you guys are wanting to decorate things, like, there is... I had no idea the amount of trick items that you can order that you can, like, decorate with. You can almost make you a bridge with everything. <laughs> like, I even found... <laughs> I even found like a, a, a workstation desk that I, it's not going to work for my space, 
but you can get like a high bar, but it's kind of set up like a enterprise science station on the bridge. Wow. So that's pretty awesome. Uh, backdrop of the L car screen. You can kind of put on your wall. looks like a big control panel. So yeah, that, that, that's what I've been doing. And also for those who were waiting for it, you know, we talked about, I ordered the, uh, Chateau Picard. Oh, okay. Uh, but what, so originally, you know, they had the special edition, uh, they had to come with one bottle of Chateau Picard and the other was the, uh, Federation. Hold on, let me look at it, get the exact name. It was the special edition number. They only made a limited run of them, uh, but they've actually brought back that option for a limited time, so you can actually jump on and order that now. Awesome. And I don't remember the name of it exactly, but it's a collector's pack that we can get. So we'll have that hopefully uh, with us when we go to Comic-Con. Awesome sauce, man. Awesome sauce. Can't wait to, wait to partake of the Chateau. Yes, <laughs> oh, okay, uh, Cal Jones, man. What have you been working on podcast lately? Otherwise, man, I would point anyone who is a fan of Doctor Who, old and new, to check us out on discussingwho.com. Yeah, and I will back that up in my parting gift to say go to discussingwho.com and check out our review of the Timeless Children, which that was actually one of my favorite reviews to be on. That was real, really fun. And I listened to it and enjoyed the listen. So definitely head over to discussingwho.com and check out our Doctor Who coverage as we wait another year and a half, probably for the next season. So and and if you enjoyed that episode, we will be following it up with a entire series 12 review, which I have thought more about since last week. So some of my opinions have changed. So Uh-oh. we'll we'll be talking about that very soon. That doesn't instill me with confidence, Cal, but we will hear your thoughts. <laughs> so thank you guys for joining. Please hit us up at Discussing Trek on all of the social medias. Whatever podcast platform you're listening on, please give us a like and a review there. We'd really appreciate it. And until next time, guys, live long and prosper. Thanks for listening to the Discussing Trek podcast. For more information, go to discussingtrek.com slash subscribe. Enjoyed this podcast, you may also like Relativity is an audio drama serial about two people, a woman on earth, and a man in space, struggling to remain connected, to help one another through life and death situations. Their only link across the vast emptiness of the cosmos is the sound of each other's voices. Find out more at RelativityPodcast.com. Discussing at work.